In this sermon, we review and highlight the eight marks of the radical disciple non conformity, Christ likeness, maturity, creation care, simplicity, balance, dependence, and death. Be challenged as you listen to this message. High up in the air with me. Let's say this out loud, bold, and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. May be seated, please. We had actually planned, starting from this morning, Sunday, the first Sunday of October, all through the next four Sundays, uh, to talk about questions concerning our faith. We wanted to talk about things like, does God exist? Did God create things? But everything was, but is creation real? We wanted to talk about uh, the uniqueness of Jesus, uh, the why is Jesus the only way to salvation, the authenticity and the accuracy of the Bible. We wanted to talk about these, these topics. But we are going to delay it by one week. So we will start it next Sunday. I know we had already sent an email out. Uh, some of you may have received that saying that we're starting it on this Sunday. But we'll start it off next Sunday and we'll go on through uh, till the first Sunday of November. So the next four Sundays we'll be spending time on that. The reason we wanted to do that is, uh, also is first to help us understand why we believe what we believe. And to help us un- know for sure that what we believe is true both historically and in several, several ways. What we believe is very valid, very solid. And it's going to help us when we go out on the streets as part of the Power to Change campaign, that we will be able, as we interact with people, meet with people, we'll be able to answer their questions, we'll be able to share the gospel in a very meaningful way. If they tell you, they'll ask us questions, you know, why you're saying Jesus is the only way, you don't say, okay, here, here's my pastor, you know, <laughs> No, you can stand there and give a clear, logical, strong answer why Jesus is unique. Or if they ask you, you know, how can you prove the Bible is true? You will have some things to say. And, and so we want to equip ourselves, uh, and in, in that reason, uh, we will be doing that. But this morning, I want to just quickly take a few moments to review what we did at church camp. So for those of you who came to church camp, this is a quick review. For those of you who didn't come, you'll know what hap- happened there. At, uh, in terms of the sessions and the topics that we did. What we did this year at church camp, our theme was deeper and higher. Uh, obviously, the focus is uh, to strengthen believers, for us to go stronger in the Lord, uh, go deeper in our faith and higher in our faith. But what we did was we actually studied a book by John Stott called The Radical Disciple. And almost all the sessions were done by people from our church, which means we pastors had a real holiday. <laughs> we just sat. But uh, different ones in the church took different sessions and they discussed different chapters. Just a couple were done by the pastors. Um, 
So we studied this book by John Stott called The Radical Disciple. John Stott was a, a leading evangelical voice based, of course, in the UK and, and the Christian leader recognized all over the world, evangelical. So not necessarily you know, the, from the charismatic Pentecostal stream, but from the evangelical world. But yet he was highly respected across all uh, um, parts of Christendom. And he's, he's authored more than 50 books, really strong books. But this was his last book for the church when he wrote it when he was about 88 or, yeah, sorry, about 87 or 88, in his final years before he passed away a couple of years ago. This was his last book that he wrote. So you, you can think, you know, he must be saying, okay, this is my final book. I want to release a message to the body of Christ. What is it that I should say? And he wrote this book, The Radical Disciple, where he points out eight marks of a radical disciple. And he uses the word radical intentionally saying, you know, I'm not talking about just the regular, you know, I'm saved, going to church type of Christians. He's talking about those who really take their faith seriously, who are willing to be passionate and different uh, in their walk on the earth, are really mean and make their faith count, mean what they believe in and live by it. Radical disciples. So he, he, he talks about these eight marks of the radical disciple and we studied these eight at the church camp over the, the last three, two and a half days. So here are the eight, eight marks of a radical disciple. We'll just list them. And I'll quickly summarize or highlight what he stated or what, is meant, uh, what we meant mean by these eight marks of the radical disciple. Number one is nonconformity. Number two, Christ-likeness. Three, maturity. Four is, fourth is creation care. Five, simplicity. Six, balance. Seven, dependence. And eight, death. So let's just talk about each one of these and just present a highlight of these eight marks of the radical Christian. First one, nonconformity. Now we all know or we are, we've all heard this before several times. The call and the fact that we are not to be conformed to this world. And the radical disciple takes that seriously. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Very familiar scriptures. Verse 2, Paul writes, he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. That means I cannot align myself to the ways of this world. Not in everything. John 17, verse 16, Jesus, you know, he says, I'm sending you into the world. He says, I'm sending you into the world, but you are not of the world. That means when you go into the world, don't necessarily just become part of it. Don't conform to it. You are in the world, but not of it. And so as radical disciples, we take this seriously in the way we live and the way we do things. We are nonconformists. Because we live by the culture and the values and the principles of God's kingdom as opposed to the ways of this world. And there are several areas that John Stott points out. Uh, he talks about pluralism where the world is what we could call as a pluralistic society, meaning it embraces everything. 
Everyone is okay. Let's live happily together. You know, so believe what you want to believe. Hold on to what you want to hold on to. Let's all just be one big, you know, happy world. But as a believer, you have absolutes. There are some things you cannot compromise on. There are absolutes. Jesus Christ is the only way. There is salvation only through Jesus Christ. So in a pluralistic world, we choose to stand for absolutes. We're nonconformists. He talks about materialism. The world wants to accumulate and live uh, uh, in, and, and pursue materialism. Whereas as radical disciples, we use things, but we don't let things control us. So there's nothing wrong in using things you, to get the job done, whatever you have to do. But you don't live it. You don't accumulate things just for yourself uh, for the sake of pleasure or uh, selfish reasons. He used the things for the purposes of God. Another thing that we find in the world is ethical relativism, which means there are no moral absolutes. Whatever you feel is right is right. So what is wrong somewhere here could be right in some other place. Or what is wrong in one situation could be right in another situation. So uh, morality is a relative thing in this world. But as a believer, we have what is right and what is wrong. And there is no compromise on that. And so we do not conform to the world's idea of relativism. We have what's right and what's wrong. God's word is our standard. We live by that. And narcissism, which is basically the world saying, I live for myself. Thank God for the phones now. You can do a lot of selfies, you know. I live for me. What makes me feel happy? I want me to look good. I want me to be happy. I want me to, uh, you know, feel good. But as a believer, it's not about you. It's about what pleases the heart of God. And if it pleases his heart, it delights my heart. That's how we live as believers. So non-conformists. First mark of a radical disciple. Number two is that of Christ's likeness, which means that God's will for every child of God, for every believer, is that we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. God wants us to be like Jesus. God wants us to be like Christ. Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, them he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God's will is for all of us to Grow up in all things to be like Christ, to be like him. That's God's will for all of us as believers. And, and the mark of a radical disciple is Christ-likeness, being like Jesus. He does not set the pastor as a standard, neither does he set, you know, the other believer as a standard. His standard is Jesus Christ. How am I in, in, in relation to who Christ is? And so there's a constant pursuit of Christ-likeness in all areas of our lives. Some things that he does highlight in his book is about being Christ-like in humility. Just as Jesus left heaven and came into the earth, we choose to walk in humility. Being Christ-like in service, how we serve one another. Christ-like in love, how we love each other. Christ-like in patient endurance, going through stuff uh, and enduring it because of the joy that is set before us. Uh, being Christ-like in our mission. 
in what we do and how we serve the world. Christ-like in all of these areas is a mark of a radical disciple. Number three is maturity. Paul writes in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man that we may present every man complete or mature in Christ. Why do we preach? Why do we do all this? Because we want every person to be mature in Christ. So maturity. What is maturity? Really, it ties in back to point two, which is Christ-likeness. Uh, maturing the Christian life is simply being Christ-like. But it's not just, you know, a, a theological thing. But now we actually live out of our life in Christ. So a mature person is actually living out his life in Christ. It's living that out. It's a mature person. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, When I was a child, I thought like a child. I, I, I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Thank God. So when I became a man, I put away childish things. So a sign of maturity is that we're getting rid of all these childish things. We're not walking around all these toys hanging around us, you know. So imagine a man with beard, white hair, everything, all the toys hanging around, playing around. Something's out of order here. Right? You put away childish things. And, and Paul writes about what these childish things are. He talks about malice and hatred and envy and, and all those kinds of things that are fleshly. Those are childish things. So just get rid of it. Because when we mature... We leave all these things aside. The fourth mark of a disciple, very interestingly, is creation care. That is taking care of God's creation. And honestly, uh, even I didn't pay too much attention to this. I mean, yeah, we do our regular, you know, uh, what do you call it, garbage um, segregation. Yeah, we do that at home. We've been doing that for a couple of years now since they introduced it in our apartment complex. Uh, you know, and just, just be a little careful. You know, don't waste petrol. Don't the lights on unnecessarily. Yeah, a little bit like that. But I never really thought about it being the responsibility of a disciple. But John saw points that out. He's saying, look, some and several scriptures, we just pick one of them. Psalm 115, verse 16. The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. This earth has been entrusted to us, and how we take care of our, the earth. Our love for the creator is demonstrated in our love for his creation. So if I take care of creation, meaning the environment and the resources that are on this earth, preserve it, conserve it, distribute it in a proper way, then I'm actually expressing my love for the creator, the one who made all these things. So creation care then becomes uh, an important part of the life of a disciple. So we no longer are just observers of what the environmentalists are doing. We no longer are just, you know, passive uh, people or we just do a little bit. No, we need to be actively involved as, uh, in taking care of God's creation because we are demonstrating our love for the Creator. So engage in meaningful ways, small ways, and some of us may, uh, may engage in some more significant ways in protecting and conserving the earth and its resources. Mark number five is simplicity. Where life can get so complicated these days. You've got your iPhone, you've got your iPad, you've got your laptop, so you've got to carry all these things with you. you know? And, uh, and it just, you know, you get so many things that can actually clutter up our lives. But the mark of a disciple is a simple lifestyle where 
you don't accumulate things for the sake of accumulating it. You don't entangle your life with too many things that keep you away from doing what God's called you and me to do. So simplicity in life uh, can, and can, can affect many areas. One is how we relate to comforts and luxuries. Most of us living in, the, in cities, we, we take it for granted that, you know, we, we need a certain level of comfort, certain level of uh, uh, um, uh, luxury in our life and uh, to maintain certain standards and whatever. It's okay. But the point is this. Does that control me? Or if I am called to do something that's hard, that's difficult, uh, go out on a mission trip, go out to some place where I may need to share Jesus Christ with the people uh, where I will not be able to sleep on the same comfortable beds. Am I willing to do it? Is my lifestyle simple enough that permits me to sleep in a seven-star hotel or in a chicken coop? Doesn't matter. Am I comfortable doing that for the sake of Jesus Christ? Or I say, God, you only sent me to New York for as a missionary, you know. <laughs> sent me to all these nice places, but I get to live in these nice hotels. And attend these nice conferences and air-conditioned places. God, if I have to go to Hubli, or if I have to go to some remote part of India where I need to preach Jesus in, you know, 43 degrees Celsius temperature, God, send somebody else here. Is our life so entangled with our comforts and luxuries that we are un unable to do these things? As disciples, we voluntarily choose this kind of a lifestyle. We, we avoid the lure of accumulation and overcomplicating over our lives. Second Corinthians 1.12, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he also similarly writes to the Thessalonians. He says, you know, you know what manner of men we were among you. How with all sincerity and in simplicity we brought the gospel of Jesus Christ. To you. Simple life. Now, just an aside, Pastor Jake and his team composed a wonderful song on simplicity. I don't know, hopefully we'll have this video next Sunday. It, it was a hit, hit song. You know. It is like, it is this real fun song, so hopefully we'll have it on video next Sunday. Number six is balance. Now, balance, not in the sense of, you know, taking the middle of the road, kind of a posture, but balance in the sense of learning to keep the various aspects of our Christian life, uh, giving equal priority and equal importance to all of these. So what we do here is we look at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 17 and John sort of highlights uh, several different aspects of our Christian life. For example, uh, Peter Wright calls us newborn babes, which means we need to grow, spiritual grow, spiritually grow in our Christian life. He says we are living stones, and the point is that stones don't exist by themselves. In order to have a building, they need to be cemented together, and that means that talks about our fellowship. We need to cement our, our lives, connect with each other, fellowship. That's how we have a building. He talks about uh, we are holy priests. We offer a praise and worship to God. Uh, we are God's own people, God's people in this earth. That means we bear witness to who he is, and we show forth his praises. We are pilgrims. That means we live a life of holiness. We live differently from the world because we are pilgrims. We are passing through. And lastly, we are, servant, we are as servants of God. We are citizens of the land in which he has placed us, which means we have to live meaningful, useful lives as people in this world. 
So the challenge or the, or the mark of a disciple is, a radical disciple is, he knows how to keep all these things in balance. He knows how to worship God, at the same time fellowship with people, be a witness on the earth. He knows how to uh, live life as a pilgrim and yet be a good citizen in the earth. You know, it's not so much of, so heavily minded, he's of no earthly use. He knows how to be heavily minded and yet make a useful contribution in the, in, in, in the society, the world that he lives in, live by the laws of the land and live in a way that honors God. So, um, keeping all these things in balance as a Christian life, as a Christian, as a believer, is a mark of a radical disciple. Number seven is dependence. In Galatians chapter six, verses one through five, Paul brings this out for us. He tells us in verse 1, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So bear one another's burdens. Share the load. Bear one another's burdens. But a few verses later, in verse 5, he says, Let each man carry his own burden. So it looks like, hey, you, you, what are you saying? Make up your mind, Paul. Please tell me. <laughs> what are you saying? Well, he uses two different Greek words, and that helps us understand what he's saying, literally. In verse 1, he says, we bear one another's weight, things that are weighing us down in life. Bear, you come under and help them stand up against it. But in verse 5, he's saying, let each one bear his own burden. He uses the word task, meaning responsibility. Each one of us must fulfill our own tasks, our own responsibility. So in the Christian life, he's highlighting the fact that we learn to bear one another's burdens, which means I must be willing to let somebody else come under with me to help bear the load I'm carrying. And in the same token, I must be willing to step in to somebody else's, uh, into somebody else's life and help them carry the load and the burden they are carrying. We're bearing one another's burdens. That's dependence. It could mean uh, learning to, it means learning to receive and give help and assistance when we need it. And yet at the, doing that does not excuse us from taking on our own responsibilities. The mark of a, of a radical disciple is he knows how to receive help and also to provide this kind of help. It is, it, it is maturity, he says, to be able to or to be willing to be dependent. To say, look, I need help. Can you come alongside? It's a sign of maturity. The last one he talks about, the last mark of a disciple is that of death. What is interesting in our Christian life is that the road to life, the pathway to life is death. Before you have a resurrection, you have to have death. And in the Christian life, many things, in many areas of our lives, they, the way we journey into life, the way we journey into the greater experience of who God is, is through dying, through death. Jesus put it like this in John 12, 23 to 25. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So death then is part of our life as a Christian. And a radical disciple knows how to embrace death in their walk with God. So what do you mean? Think about salvation. There are six areas that he talks about how death works, salvation, discipleship, mission, persecution, martyrdom, and mortality. 
Think about salvation. The work was completed on Calvary's cross. Jesus paid it all. Everything was taken care of. He set us free from the power of sin. But in order for you and me to walk free from sin, we must learn to die to our own ungodly desires. So what, what does the Bible say? Galatians 5.24. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Or Paul writes, Romans 8.13. If we by the Spirit do mortify the deeds of our body, we will live. So what's the pathway to live in freedom from sin? You got to die to your own sinful desires. That means every day, every day, every day, I'm learning to crucify my sinful desires in the flesh in order for me to live in the freedom from sin that was purchased for me at Calvary's cross. Amen? Are you with me so far? Another area that death works in our life is in discipleship. In several places, Jesus said, whoever comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoa. So you got to think about it. Do I really want to follow Jesus? <laughs> whoever comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow. So how many days are you going to be carrying your cross? I mean, just the early part of the Christian life. As long as you are his disciple, you've got a cross on your back. Ouch. <laughs> That's what it is to be a disciple. And in that context, he says, if you save your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life, you will save it. You will experience it. What is the cross? The cross is a place of suffering. The cross is a place of separation. And the cross is a place of sacrifice. So carry your cross. You're a disciple. You got a cross. And when we say suffering, I'm not talking about sickness and disease, but I'm saying willing to endure hardship for the sake of Jesus Christ. Separation, meaning I'm separating myself from the things of this world. Sacrifice, meaning I'm willing to let go of things that I could have, legitimate things that could be mine, but letting go of it in order to live this life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you want to come after me, Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself, carry your cross every day, and follow me. The mark of a disciple. Amen? Other areas where, uh, where the death, death works is in missions. So every mission would in some way carry, have a cross, meaning some amount of sacrifice, something you have to do in order to be engaged in missions. And he, uh, he, of course, he talks about all these great missionaries who in their time sacrificed so much, willing to go through death in order to bring the message of Jesus Christ to a dying world. It's our turn now. And we too, in some way, must be willing to sacrifice, to have death, experience death, in order to take the message of Jesus to a world that needs it. Death. That leads us to persecution and martyrdom. Now, many of us living in cities or living here in Bangalore, we may or may not face persecution. Some of us may face more. Some of us may face less. But really the question is, are you willing? Are you ready? If it were to happen, if people were to oppose you, if people were to hurt you physically, harm you physically, because you believe in Jesus Christ, will you still believe in Him? And if your life is at stake because you believe in Jesus, are you ready? That's the question. The Bible talks about people who loved not their lives even unto death. 
because they believe. That's the kind of disciples we are to be. And lastly, mortality, meaning our readiness to die. It's not that we want to quit life and jump over. What is that? You know, I'm ready to die. I'm not afraid of death. I don't live in the fear of death. I surely want to live out the full course of my life and do everything God's called me to do. But I'm not afraid of death. Why? Because for me, for us as a disciple, we know that death is only gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. It's to be with Him in His presence. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we're not afraid of death. Even physical death. So eight marks of a radical disciple. Nonconformist. Christ-likeness, maturity, creation care, simplicity, balance, dependence, and death. We need to pray. Ask the Lord. Help me to grow in these areas. We're all growing. But help us to grow. Help us. Show us what we can do in these areas. Amen. I want to call our worship team up, please, and all the radical disciples can stand. Would you take a few moments this morning as we just wait before the Lord to pray and say, God, help me be one of your radical disciples. And if there are things that you need to pray about, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, started conforming to certain things in this world that you know is not right before God, and you can pray and ask the Lord to help you make that change, make that adjustment. How about becoming Christ-like? I know we all falter, we all make mistakes, but we pursue that. Say, God, I need this area of my life changed so I can be more Christ-like. How about growing up in maturity, living that life as a mature believer, putting away childish things, not engaging in you know, all the petty things of strife and envy and jealousy and gossip and backbiting and all those things. Those are childish things. Let's get rid of it. It has nothing to do with us. How about creation care? How about simplicity? How about keeping various aspects of a Christian life in balance? How about learning to embrace death in every area of our lives? Just pray about these things as we just wait upon the Lord for a few minutes. Just between you and God. Change my heart, oh God. Make it
Father, we just thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit that's changing us and making us to be like Jesus, to be these radical disciples of Jesus Christ who will impact our world and impact our city and impact our nation for the kingdom of God. We thank you for what you're doing even now as you're speaking to our hearts and just just at work in us by your word and by your spirit. Personally, we thank you. We thank you for the change, the transformation that's coming in each of our lives as we move from glory to glory. Father, thank you for the work you are doing. As we just yield to you, as we surrender to you, as we open our hearts to you, and as we pursue you, as we seek you, as we make you that sole passion in our hearts, thank you for the change. Thank you for the transformation. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for the maturity. Thank you for the release of the call of God in our lives as we step in to your purposes. We just thank you, God. I want to take a moment to pray right now. If there's anyone here that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you're not born again, if you don't know what it means to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, my Lord, and, and forgive my sins. If you've never done that in your life, where you've made a decision to let Jesus be your Lord and your Savior, I want to take a moment just to pray right now and lead you in a prayer where you can put your faith in the one who died for you on the cross, who was buried, who rose up again. Mm -hmm. 
you could say, I want to believe in Jesus. If you feel that tug on your heart, saying, I need to do this, would you just pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you and be your disciple for the rest of my life. My life is in your hands this moment on. You are my Lord and you are my Savior and you alone. And I say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's close and we'll dismiss. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. If you want to sign up for the Part of Change campaign, kindly do so at the information desk. God bless you. Grow strong. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.